everyone and welcome to the second Families for Children Adoption Podcast. We really hope you find these podcast episodes interesting and useful. Please let us know what you think. Details on how to communicate to us will be at the end of each episode. In episode one, we looked at adoption from the perspective of the children and in episode two, we will focus on adoption from the perspective of the adopter. So, who can adopt? What is the guidance around who can become an adopted parent? Interestingly, there are very few limitations, but there are a lot of misconceptions and myths. We regularly get people saying to us, oh, I'd love to adopt, but I think I'm too old, I'm nearly 40. There's a myth that there is an upper age limit, which is perpetuated from a long time ago. Truth is, there is actually only a minimum age limit, which is 21. There are no upper age limits. You just have to have the energy and help to provide a long-term family for a child. We have many adopters in their 40s and 50s. Anyone over 21 can be considered as a potential adopter regardless of marital status, disability, gender, religion, sexual orientation, income, or whether or not you have parenting experience. You can be assessed regardless of marital status, married or unmarried couples of any sexuality, single people, couples and civil partnerships, all can apply. Health-wise, there are no blanket no's. Any health issue will be looked at in terms of what it is, how it impacts on you, how you manage it, and the implications for the long term with regard to you caring for a child through to adulthood. Parenting is physically and emotionally demanding, so your general health or any disability you may have must still enable you to meet the challenges a child may bring. You would have a medical in stage one of the process. If you're interested in adoption but currently have a medical condition you think may be problematic, you can discuss it up front with one of our social workers who can raise with our agency medical advisor before you go too far into the process. Criminal history. An enhanced DBS check is done at the start of the process, which means that all offences and cautions are highlighted. Particular offences, like offences against children, serious violence or serious fraud, would likely prevent you from being able to adopt. But minor offences will be looked at in context as what they were, when they happened and why. The important thing is, is that if you think there will be anything coming up in your DBS check that will need further investigation or clarification, you let your adoption agency know well in advance of the check coming back. Additionally, in response to many other myths which get banded about, you don't need to own your own home, you don't need to have a set amount of savings or a high wage, you are allowed to have pets and you can adopt if you already have children. And no. The process doesn't take two years. The time to assess you can take as little as six months. Oh, and you can adopt children from a different ethnicity to you. I hope that explains everything. All aspects of what you bring will be assessed fully and in light of the needs of the children who might be placed with you. People come to adoption for a wide variety of reasons. Some because they're unable for whatever reason to have birth children of their own and others make a choice to create or add to their family through adoption. Here are some families for children adopters. I think we'd been trying for for a child for a number of years and it just wasn't happening. Um, So we went to the doctors and had numerous tests and went to the hospital. For one appointment. (laughs) Um, And and the outlook wasn't good, was it? No. So we did sit down and have a lot of discussions and time to think and and really think about was was it the need to carry a child and give birth to a child or in fact 
did we just want a little family that we could love and enjoy life together with? So I think at that point we decided then to look into adopting. Um, I, I went to an initial meeting and took it from there, really. Uh, to start with, I was a little bit apprehensive, I think, but only for about half an hour. <laughs> and then we went to the open evening and, yeah, we were both on board with it. Well, um, it's no secret, it happened many, many years ago. We had an amazing little baby girl who stayed with us for 44 hours and then departed for somewhere else. And because Nick and I had always wanted to have as big a family as we could, if we couldn't do it that way, we just explored other routes. Um, and, every, you know, we, we spoke to our health visitor who laughed, first of all, and then went away and phoned me up and apologised for laughing. Um, and then once she'd done that, we got the ball rolling. We went to see our parish priest, and it was actually him who put us onto Families for Children. Um, it was about, gosh, 10 years ago or so. Um, my, I, I was married, but we didn't have children. And um, at that point, I think if people had asked me, I'd have said I didn't particularly want children. But then my mar when my marriage broke up a few years later, I had a relationship with someone who had a young daughter. And as well as kind of falling in love with mum, I fell in love with a daughter who was a three-year-old at that point. Um, so I kind of took on a parenting role for a short time with, with her daughter. And then sadly, that relationship didn't kind of work out. But I think that re made me realise I would like to parent a child. And I could also parent a child who wasn't kind of biologically my own child. Mm. Okay, so we um, had tried um, IVF three times and failed three times um, at various stages. Um, and kind of our next options were going to be either having donated eggs and going abroad, which would be very expensive for very low percentage chance of success, or, or giving up really. Um, so we'd started looking into adoption. We both felt that that would be the next step. We didn't didn't matter to us um, if I actually gave birth or carried a child it was a case of actually giving a child a home and having a child um, so we we didn't really we just kind of made the decision both of us that that was the right move. Families for Children has been an adoption agency for over 25 years and over the years we've worked alongside a huge range of adopters who have in turn adopted a wide range of children. No two families are the same. So what do we think are the best qualities for an adopter to have? Hello, I'm Kat. I'm a therapeutic social worker at Families for Children. Hello, I'm Angela and I'm a family finding senior practitioner at Families for Children. It, but it, it is about an attitude, I think, about being able to parent somebody else's child. So that means to not be grieving overly about the child that you may have had this child that you adopt is not going to be that child you need to have the time physically and emotionally to be able to invest in this you know who is going to be a very needy child um so not somebody that you know likes to juggle masses of things in their life and adoption adoption being one of them i i think that's an honesty um, about being able to reflect on your strengths and vulnerabilities and your emotional and to be able to connect with your emotional language in that. 
I think is is important and you don't start your uh, adoptive journey perhaps like that uh -huh. but you know the the time again <laughs> and the attitude and the willingness to invest in that to 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 invest in the reading and exploring um to prepare for your your assessment uh, to talk to other adopters I think that actually the foundation of your adoption journey really sets you on the right road. I think one of the important things when people are considering adoption is that they um that, that they're able to think about their own story because what we're asking adopters to be able to do is to um, support a child to think about a really difficult what's often a very difficult story and to feel okay supporting them through that so what we need what makes good adopters a good attribute would be that they are um, able to be reflective on their own story and how they've got to where they've got to so that we can help them to think about things that might be a bit tricky for them um, that are open to being reflective and open to thinking about um, some really difficult experiences for children and what that might mean for them because I think we often have a, um, a picture in our minds of what family life's going to be like and, and um, families through adoption can be very different so being open to that and, and ready for the challenge. I'm Leslie and I'm an administrator at Families for Children Two words that for me would describe a good adopter would be patience and flexibility. Well, we've narrowed it down to about eight primary qualities, which are, in no particular order, a good sense of humour, resilience, open-mindedness, empathic, tenacity, good advocate, willing to learn, and flexibility. So what do our adopters think you might need? of adopters and parents well I think you need the same qualities as, as an adopter as you need as a parent because actually what you are as an adopter is a parent um, maybe to be an adopter you need a little bit of broader understanding of life the universe and everything unhealthy coping strategies are always good um, you need you need a really secure relationship um, Nick and I, when we started adopting, we didn't have any extended family. But I would assume if you're going to start adopting, you need to really have your extended family on board because you don't want to rock the boat when it comes to family. That gets really messy. Um, qualities to be an adopter, same as qualities to be a parent, I suppose. You need unhealthy coping strategies. I keep talking about these. <laughs> um, I often say to people, I love my children all the time. There are, time, there are days when I really don't like them, but I'm not scared to admit it, but I will never stop loving them. They need boundaries. They need security. They need consistency. They need a mum and dad who are consistent in everything they do. Um... They need to be safe, they need all the physical stuff, they need to be fed and watered and clothed. Um, and they need to be loved. They need to be understood. And I think, I suppose adopted children more than birth children, you need to be able to look at the wider picture. You need to be able to look at, why are we doing this behaviour at the moment? This is different, what's going on? Um, some people say there's no such thing as naughty behaviour. I think there is naughty behaviour. Children can be naughty. 
when you get to know your own children, you'll know the difference between I'm just having a naughty day or I'm doing this because I just don't know what else to do or how else to tell you how I'm feeling. And then it's when you start picking, picking everything to pieces and looking at why it's happening. Um, there aren't, there aren't, there are children who are naughty. There aren't naughty children. There are children who can be naughty. We can all be naughty. I ate too much chocolate last night. That's being naughty. Um, you just got to be solid and permanent and not be afraid to have fun. Um, not be afraid to try new things. Not to be afraid to have things fail. Because children need to learn about failure as well. Life isn't all rosy. Um, I've put some pretty naff meals on the table and thought, well, that was a failure. Won't do that again. Um, and no, I suppose, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to say, I can't cope today. I need a bit of help. Or I don't understand this. Because we don't all know everything. And nobody will ever know everything because we've all had such different experiences in life. In every aspect of life. So, we're, you know, if we imagine we're all on tram lines and we're all, we're all there, but we're not crossing over, we can ask for help. And I think that's a really important thing as a parent and an adopter, not being scared. Nobody's going to judge you for asking for help. People will only judge you if you go on a completely wrong tangent and don't ask for help. So ask for help every time. I guess, put simply, a lot of love to give. I'd enjoyed being favourite uncle to my eight nephews and nieces, and I used to have them quite a bit on their own. And in fact, one of my, my nephews was type one, type one diabetics. He had additional needs, so I kind of used to some of the issues that went with children with additional needs. And I really enjoyed having them around. But I, and I guess I had the fun without the responsibility in a way. But I think I wanted to to give a kind of permanent nurturing relationship to a child. In, in fact, initially I thought about fostering. But the fostering social worker, I think, was quite astute and she kind of picked up when she came to see me that, that actually what I was looking for was a permanent nurturing mm -hmm. relationship with a child. Um, in terms of the wider qualities, um, I, th I think a safe household, safe and loving household, as someone to give time and energy to a child, um, to kind of find out what they love and are interested in, trying to support them in that, and, and also to manage the, the challenges that particularly adoptive children mm -hmm. bring. Yes, certainly, certainly love is very important, the kind of starting point to love a child and, and ideally unconditionally. I mean, sometimes that's a, a challenge, obviously. I, I think I perhaps, although I was prepared through the training, I think I underestimated some of the challenges. I mean, for me, it's certainly been the most rewarding thing I've ever done, but also the most challenging. But of course, some of the rewards are in the, the mm. challenge. I, I guess the kind of buzzword in adoption at the moment is resilience. But I think that, and I think that is a you know, although it's a bit overused, it's a good word mm. to describe. I think you need to be able to to be very, yeah, you need to ride with the kind of punches of the way, the way to the view is like the unfortunate phrase in a way, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, but uh, yeah, you need to deal with the tough things in life and see the positives in mm. them. And I think you need to keep your sense of fun. I mean, I didn't say that at the beginning, but actually, I guess, to be playful. Mm. Um, I mean, I think that's both therapeutic and, and the kind of the P and mm. pace, obviously. But also, I mean, one of the things I've really enjoyed about being an adoptive parent, it gives you the excuse to, well, and being a parent at all, is it gives you an excuse to kind of play in a way that perhaps you couldn't do as a 50-plus-year-old mm. man if you were on your own. So, so that's been great. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think patience and perseverance are, re are really tested. Um, I mean, I, 
I think probably the thing I still need to be even better at is being patient um, and uh, to find a way of looking after yourself, I think, because, you, you know, it is tough, uh, but it, but rewarding, but I think it's really important you, you find the space and time to build up your own support network, particularly as a single adopter. Um, and I've really valued the, the links I've made with, with other adopters. Um, but yeah, so looking back, some of the qualities I started, but others that uh, yeah I didn't know I needed, and some I didn't know I had. I mm. think um, that, that uh, I, I suppose um, adopting has drawn out of me, if you like. Um, so I think I've grown hugely as a person. I yeah I think my friends would say that, mm. Um, mm. and that's been you know it's not why I did it, but but that's kind of mm. part of what's happened for me. I've learnt a lot about myself, some of my vulnerabilities. I think children, and particularly adopted adopted children, are very good at kind of testing your weaknesses and your kind of pressure points and so you kind of learn some of the things that are quite hard about yourself mm -hmm. to learn um, but you know you find ways of managing them and, and hopefully developing um, yeah and it has been uh, it's been tough at, at times but it's been great fun and huge reward and it's nice to see my son develop and, mm -hmm. and grow and, and, and you know he's a very brave lad he's had lots of big challenges in life and he's still got lots of challenges to come but you know he's mm. he's a real courageous <laughs> um, I think you need to be incredibly open-minded, um, you need to be very accepting um, and not too set on what your future is going to look like and not set on what your child is going to act like, be able to cope with. Um, so you need to be resilient, um, the journey's tough to get here but obviously it's even tougher um, when the little ones arrive. Yeah, I think like you need to be resilient when they're here as well. Um, because they, they can be challenging at times. I don't know whether that's just because they're children or because they're adopted children. <laughs> um, and along with that, you need a lot of patience uh, and definitely a sense of humour to laugh at things rather than to let it get to you sort of thing. Okay. So how might you go about becoming an adopter? The process is the same whichever adoption agency you go with. The trick is finding the right agency for you. You have the choice, depending on where you live, on going with your local authority, a regional adoption agency in your area, or a local voluntary adoption agency like Families for Children. So what are the differences? Well, a local authority adoption team these days is one that isn't part of a regional adoption agency and will recruit and assess its adopters primarily to try and place its own children first. Over the last couple of years, as part of the government initiative in many areas, several local authority adoption teams have joined up together as one agency to cover a wider geographical area. These are called regional adoption agencies. Again, their primary aim is to place children within that regional agency as a priority. In some areas, these regional adoption agencies also cover special guardianships. Voluntary adoption agencies are totally independent agencies with a charitable status who have a specialism in adoption. Families for Children, for example, have a large team of experienced workers who have an expertise in adoption, and we're able to place children from all over the UK and are not restricted to placing local children first. We also have a wide range of adoption support services. 
So your first job as a doctor is to gather as much information as you can from websites, Google searches, downloading information packs, attending a variety of agency information sessions, listen to podcasts, formulate questions, phone up, ask questions. Find out what you feel you need to know. The information sessions are helpful as you get a chance to ask questions to social workers direct, as well as the doctors who are there to offer their experience. Plus, you get a feel for how the agency operates and whether you feel comfortable with them. This is an agency that will take you through one of the most important journeys of your life. So you need to feel as sure as you can from the outset that you have chosen the right one for you. Here are some of the reasons why our adopters chose Families for Children. As I said earlier, it was our catch-priest who found the Families for Children for us. There's nothing wrong with local authority. But for us, because Nick and I were slightly older, we'd had we have some our paths have been our pasts have been quite colourful. Um, we have lots of life experience. Uh, after speaking to local authority, I didn't even think we'd get a foot in the door, to be honest. Whereas families for children were far more interested in the people we were now well not now obviously but 18 years ago much worse now um they were more interested in what our life experiences had made us and what our life experiences had brought to us rather than what we'd done to get those life experiences um so for us families for children after we'd done our research was a far it seemed more like being at home. Local authority just seemed very posh. And also, and this is a real personal thing, it happened to a friend of mine recently. Um, Cornwall is very small. There are only so many colleges in Cornwall. There are only so many schools. Um, I like to keep my children safe. I like to keep them well away from their pasts. A friend of mine recently picked his son up from school drove out of school, drove around the corner and had to wait while his child's birth mother crossed the road. I can't deal with that. I can't. That's not my style. I need to have my children away from where they've been hurt so that we can start to put it right. And I haven't got to face somebody who's hurt my children on a daily basis because that just wouldn't work for me. Um, well, I think I talked earlier about the fact that... Um my fostering, the fostering social worker mm. came to visit me at home and, and she suggested um, thinking about adoption. So I think when when that time came, in fact, she suggested waiting a year, um, partly because I'd, 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 I'd recovering from a period of depression, so I had quite poor mm. mental health at that point, and she thought I needed to take time to see, well, to build my resilience and to, to kind of help my recovery. Uh, but she she suggested I consider, wait a bit and consider adoption. So I then went back to the agency where, the, where she came from. So I guess that was the the natural thing to do um, and so I, to be honest I didn't do a lot of wider research about other agencies and then because the initial experience was positive I think you know the initial information session I think is really important in terms of what kind of climate it creates and whether you feel welcome and as I was talking earlier you know as particularly a single man kind of conscious that I might be viewed in a particular way so that didn't seem to be an issue and, and the agency was very open um, and friendly and supportive um, and then I had the initial home visit, and again, that seemed a very positive experience. So I think it seemed natural to stick with with that agency. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. 
Once you've done all your research, you can register your interest with just one agency. This is usually the full, a form you complete, and some agencies like to do a home visit at this time or arrange for an office appointment to talk it through with you. The registration of interest document is then discussed between a social worker and their manager, and a decision is made as to whether accept your registration of interest. If not accepted, you will be given full reasons. If your registration of interest is accepted, this puts you into stage one of the process. This is not a formal acceptance of your application, so there is no recourse to appeal. Stage one includes all your checks and references. If you have a look on our website or download our information pack, you will see what these entail. And you'll have to conduct a self-learning programme. At Families for Children, we hold a three-day mandatory preparation course during stage one, so you can be sure that adoption is right for you. Stage one is approximately two months in duration, but as it's led by adopters, the timescale is very much down to you. At the end of stage one, you have a visit to agree that you have met all the criteria, and if the social worker and their manager agree, you are then formally accepted onto stage two. Stage two is the assessment part of the process, and timescales are set so that you should be able to go to panel in four months. Sometimes this timescale changes depending on circumstances and it's always better that an assessment is done properly rather than quickly just to fit in with the timescale. As this is the formal acceptance of your application, from stage two onwards you would have recourse to panel or appeal if required. Can you um, think back to stage one and what that felt like doing all your checks and references and stuff? Yeah, there was a lot of kind of, seemed like quite a lot of form filling and yeah. paperwork I mean to some degree because of my background working in charity sector I was kind of not unfamiliar but obviously for some adopters in a different environment that might be a bit off-putting so I guess I'd kind of urge people to stick with it there is a kind of point to it um, and I and, and think it's important um, but yeah I remember filling in the original application form on the train coming back from holiday um, and you know, thinking, yeah, there was quite a lot of questions to ask and why, you know, perhaps initially why were people asking those questions? I mean, it's made much more sense as the process unfolded about why people mm. want to kind of, you know, in some way pick your life apart and, and, you know, kind of, and then obviously when you get into the later stage, look at your own experience of being parented and all that. Uh, but yeah, so the checks and things, I mean, it's just a sort of waiting period, I guess. So it's a, yeah, it's like a pause. I mean, it's a bit frustrating at times to wait for things. And I think the checks have speeded up a bit now I think they took rather mm. longer in like the BBS checks and or CRB checks as they were then yeah took forever they were a lot quicker now yeah yeah and the references obviously mm. um yeah I guess you're putting yourself out there a bit so even though you obviously by definition you're choosing people who you you know you love and care about you hopefully as your referees you kind of you know you're you're exposing yourself to what mm. their thoughts are about you being an adopter so I guess that's a bit of yeah, it's a bit fun, a vulnerable time as well, mm. being checked mm. out. A bit intimidating to start with, but I think the trainers try and kind of manage that and, you know, support you through that. I mean, for me, I I mean, no, I learned a huge amount from it. I mean, inevitably, I think the, the bit that is most helpful is hearing from other adoptive parents because you're kind of hearing firsthand what it's like. I mean, the training, I suppose, partly is trying to kind of give you the tough part of mm. adoption. So, you know, in one sense, there were, there were bits that were very hard to to hear about the kind of children's experience of abusive relationships and families um, 
and but you know I think that that's right that you hear that so in some ways it's almost trying to put you off a bit you know so you face the reality of adoption so that yeah certainly that was quite tough at mm. times but I also really enjoyed making contact with other prospective adopters in terms of you know the, mm. the, the links and later on that that's kind of been important um yes and in terms of learning about therapeutic parenting and beginning that kind of mm. journey to you know which I've gone on learning hopefully through the process of being a parent and um, that was really valuable so I found it a positive experience um, didn't know what to expect so every day every piece of paper that came every visit was very different it was it was quite daunting in some ways because I think both Nick and I are very private people so it was quite hard to sit there and bear your soul with this complete stranger and it's very much a case of you feel like your life is in somebody else's hands um, but then once you get over that, once you start realising the fact that, yes, you are going through all this and you're talking about all this and bringing out all this stuff that's been hidden away for donkey's years. It is about you, but actually it's about the child because you've got to be dead right for the child that's going to be placed with you. So your social worker has got to make sure that you are exactly right for this child. And, you know, from the other end that this child is exactly right for you. So it, it was scary. But once you got over the fact that people were delving into your private life and actually put it all together, why it was happening. And it was a means to an end. Then it, it did get. I won't say it got easier. It became more relevant. Was it harder? Because you've gone on to do this more than once. <laughs> How, was it harder each subsequent time to sort of go revisit things, or was it? Did it get easier with each approval? Interestingly enough, even though the assessment and the process is exactly the same, because we had three different social workers, they each were very different people and mm. made us feel different and wanted different things from us. So even though it was the same it was delivered in a very different way each time. You know, every part was delivered as it should be. But I think also it's about building up a relationship with your social worker so that you you feel comfortable with them and they feel comfortable with you. Um, and our first, our first adoption back 18 years ago um, was with one social worker and then we went on to a different social worker, a different social worker, and then... As luck would have it, our fourth adoption, and I'm not going to say our last, um, was the, the, the social worker that we had in the beginning. So it was like coming full circle, um, which was really comfortable. At the end of stage two, your social worker will have completed a prospective adopter's report, known as a PAR. This is presented to adoption panel for recommendation on your suitability to adopt. It was kind of nerve-wracking. I mean, it had been... Well, I, I think I started the process in August and I went to panel in May. At that point, the process was longer. Oh. Um, so it was about nine months, which actually in many ways was quite I symbolic. And for me, actually, that time was important. Um, but yes, I, I, um, my sister came with me as a single adopter. It was really nice that she did. Um, it was in a rather formal rural and oak panelled room in, in Newton Abbott, I remember. The, the, and I, thought, I think it was called the Charles I room, so I think I joked with the uh, chair of panel that it was a bit like going up for execution. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, no, I mean, it was nerve-wracking. But, you know, the, they did their best to put me at, at ease. Um, and, um, yeah, I had some quite uh, challenging 
questions, I think. Um, particularly, I think some of the panel members, I think we're, we're probably finding it a bit hard to think about a, a single male adopter, actually, mm -hmm. in the fact that I was kind of, well, in their view, putting my career on hold or possibly even giving it up as a kind of to, to, to focus on being a parent. And I guess whereas women do that all the time, mm -hmm. then men, you know, I guess yeah. it's still a bit more out of the ordinary. So I think that was a bit of kind of perhaps... Yeah, probably that was the only time I encountered a bit of some prejudgments, perhaps, from, mm. from people. But I think, you know, the chair managed that very well. Um, uh, and, and I think, you know, uh, the social worker had done her job, Pauline had done her job, so that meant, and you know, she was there to advocate mm. for me and support me. And, and, um, and having my sister with me was, was really nice. The approval panel is absolutely terrifying. There's no way to to say it any easier, really. It is absolutely terrifying. So on this day, you are going to be judged, questioned um, further and, and not know whether you are going to be granted the chance of becoming a parent or not. It's life-changing. It really is. Um, so no matter, because of the onus on the day, no matter what you do, it is terrifying. You have support. You're um, a person who's been going through the process with you will be there with you. Um, it doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> There's, um, you're then faced with with 10 to, 20, um, 10 to 12 people, I think, um, all asking you different questions, all coming from different areas. So you'll have a medical professional, there'll be um, a, usually an adopter, um, somebody who has been adopted. So all coming with their unique perspectives on what makes a good adopter. And you have to convince them that you're the right person to have a child. And it's scary. <laughs> um, one of the things we did, I don't know, we, we didn't do it for the subsequent adoptions, but for the first adoption, Nick and I had to write about ourselves. We had to do this. We were given some guidelines, but we had to do this big piece of work on what we remembered from being a child, things that Im impacted on us as a child and how we grew up and all the things. And I, Nick did his over a period of time. I just sat down one morning and cracked mine out because I thought I can't, I need to do it that way. When I read that, it was like reading about somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, and then when we read the final paperwork before we went to, to approval panel, it was like reading about the girl next door. It was like, oh, I didn't realise that was me and I didn't realise, oh, really? My word, they picked that up. Good heavens. So it was really quite an eye-opener to read it. Oh, God, that was a three-parent knicker job. <laughs> <laughs> that was it's it's really it's really scary but it should be really scary because it's a really big thing it shouldn't be taken lightly but again it's very much even though your social worker has told you that you know we've got this far we've done the work I'm happy to take you to panel there's still that thing there's these people sat there they don't know me they've only read about me and they're going to decide on the rest of my life and it is incredibly scary. And it's the type of thing where you, you're convinced you're going to say all the wrong things or you're going to fall over when you walk in um, or you're going to cry <laughs> or do something stupid. But they were remarkably nice people. Um, it was very easy to do. Nobody, there were no trick questions. They'd done their work. They'd read all about us. I think... We'd have had to have done something really, really tragic and awful on the day to make them say no. Um, 
And luckily they said yes every time. This recommendation is passed on to the agency decision maker for the final decision, which can be to either to approve, to not approve or to defer for additional information. If either of the latter two, then you'll be given full reasons and a timescale to come back to panel. Once approved, you can then start looking for your child or children through family finding, and we'll look at this part of the process more detail in the next episode. I suppose it's, it's like the first time, I don't know, you wee on your pregnancy stick <laughs> and, and, and find out you're pregnant. I suppose it's, yeah, it's the same, same feeling. Yeah. 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 It, was, it sort of mixed feelings, wasn't it? Because you're approved, but... You still know you've got a long way in the journey. Yeah. Yeah. You're still only yeah. halfway or yeah. maybe less, maybe more. And I remember the waiting was kind of certainly nerve-wracking, but but then um, Caroline, she was the mm. chair, came down to um, to give me the outcome. And obviously, it was positive, so mm. I remember being yeah incredibly relieved and elated and excited. Um, mm. So yeah, that no, was a really momentous day, and it was you know important kind of part of kind of I guess it marked a real transition mm. in in the journey journey of mm. being the doctor. Mm. So well, that's the end of episode two. Many thanks to all the wonderful contributions from our doctors. We hope you found the information interesting and thought-provoking and that you'll come back for even more. In episode three, we'll be looking at the process of linking, matching and introductions to your adopted child. We would really appreciate any feedback you might have on these podcasts. So if you'd like to comment or ask questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can email us at info at familiesforchildren.org.uk Families for Children is a charity and has to raise over £400,000 per year to do what we do. If you'd like to donate or raise some money for us, please see our website at familiesforchildren.org.uk We really would value every penny. (laughs) 